meeting today's challenges with yesterday's experiences. Senior Wisdom is your opportunity to take in wisdom gained by our elderly population and apply this insight into your own life. It's a time machine of sorts, sending you back to challenges of pre-millennia days and places that stretch across the globe. Gary Quayle has always been motivated to achieve, maybe to his detriment. His professional choices led him to the educational professions and found himself in Washington, D.C. Just when he was at his career peak, he was asked to part ways with his Washington employer. At 52 years old, he had to start over. After moving to San Francisco and always coming in second in his job searches, Gary started his own company. He learned that even if your life seems to fall apart, listening to people and exercising patience, wisdom, insight, and tenacity will carry you through your worst times. Everyone is on their own journey. Senior Wisdom is ready to share another golden nugget. So adjust the volume on your laptop or handheld device and soak in to a conversation with Gary Quayle. Well, life can be quite challenging and, and exciting for a lot of us. And today I sit with Gary Quayle, living in Grass Valley, California. And uh, Gary, you have quite a... a um, a history of your professional history that, of course, lends itself into a into all kinds of challenges, both professional and and personal. This this all started back east, right? You're not a Californian, I understand. No, I actually grew up in Green Bay, Wisconsin. So uh, we're talking about a flat area as compared to the Sierra Nevada mountains. Oh yes. <laughs> so does does uh, the color green mean anything to you? Uh, green and uh, and and gold, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we have different colors out here, as, I know as you know. Yeah. Well, what was life like back in Wisconsin growing up? It was, uh, on reflection, it was very uninspired, uh, not very interesting, uh, parochial. I have the, the benefit of hindsight on all of this, of course, and having spent a lot of time almost all over the country living. Uh, but, but it was a decent place to grow up. And, you, I mean, you ended up getting a political philosophy degree, a PhD, and yes. that was back in 65. Mm -hmm. Were you always philosophically orientated in your, in your uh, interests? I wouldn't say that at all. Um, uh, I had a very undistinguished undergraduate career, but I went to graduate school and, and caught fire. And uh, 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 it just sort of came out of the blue for me. And uh, that led to uh, a rather rapid rise in my, in my career. And as you describe yourself, you're a type A times four. <laughs> At least you were. Maybe you aren't now. One part of me uh, was, and in a way still is, but uh, I'm basically and have been all of my life uh, an inter introvert by nature. Very different than my father who was outgoing and a public figure. Uh, and uh, all of the things that I learned to do in my career in fact, did not come naturally. I had to force myself to learn how to do these things, whether it was public speaking or the writing of books and articles or leadership itself. You really, you really had to thrust yourself forward to, to do all these things. I did indeed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I can relate to some of that. It doesn't, not all of it comes naturally. Sometimes yeah. you, you have a passion for it, but, but it takes a lot of drive and determination to actually right. achieve it. And exactly. That, and that's what you did. So then as a, an achiever, you went after it. 
in a big way. I mean, eventually you became someone heavily involved in education, correct? Yes, at, at a very senior level, yes, mm -hmm. higher education. And uh, what, what was life like as uh, a president of a college or university? I wasn't president of a college or university. Uh, I, uh, I started out teaching philosophy to undergraduates and then became an academic vice president and dean. And after that, uh, moved on to become president of a consortium of private universities and colleges in upstate New York. And then for 16 years in Washington, D.C., I headed up two national higher education associations. What kind of things did you focus on? Well, the, the first organization for 12 years, uh, this was a national organization that, uh, that worked on behalf of all the private colleges and universities in the country. So there's all kinds of programs that are on curriculum, also some, some lobbying that went on. And uh, it, was, it was a great ride for 12 years. Uh, I then went on to head up uh, a second, in this case, international higher education organization. And uh, at about that time, I also acquired the, the Washington, D.C. disease, hubris. <laughs> what exactly is hubris? It's arrogance, arrogance uh, that takes many forms. And uh, Washington, D.C. is the international capital of, of hubris, in my view. And it's almost impossible if you're involved not to get caught up in it, to think that you are in the catbird's chair all the time, that you've got all the answers, and that you take only your own counsel, no one else's. And uh, that got me in a lot of trouble. And that really, are, you, are you more of a collaborator, and, and they, weren't, uh, they were playing teams? I would collaborate on projects. Uh, I was not a bad manager, but I was mostly a visionary in terms of things that I saw that could be done, that needed to be done, and I was quite able to convince people that uh, that these things, I, these ideas, should be pursued. Uh, but I, uh, on the second uh, uh, organization in Washington, I uh, I, I outdid myself, and uh, after having conducted a, a year-long national study of higher education, uh, I was informed by my board that we were going to part company, and I was shocked totally shocked that this had happened to me. How could this possibly happen to me? And uh, that led to the decline, rapid decline of my career at age 52. And uh, fortunately, I had uh, met a woman who was to become my wife of now 23 years on a blind date in San Francisco. <laughs> and uh, fortunately, as a clinical psychologist, she had some money, uh, or at least she, she had an income. So I decided to, to pitch it all in Washington, D.C. and to move out here without a job. Well, you know, backing up for a minute, up until that point when you left Washington, you were completely, I mean, you probably, I'm, I'm tell me if I'm putting words in your mouth, but you probably felt like that position was who you were. Oh, for sure. And, uh, of course, we all know that that can be quite uh, devastating when suddenly you don't have that. It's like your alter ego goes away completely and you wonder who indeed. you are. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, I moved out here and couldn't understand why I was coming in number two in all of these searches in San Francisco. I mean, some, some major organizations like the ballet, like the Moran Community Foundation. And I found that I had to reinvent myself if I was going to somehow move on with my life and not to, to depend solely on my wife. So you decided that based on the uh, lack of finding top-end positions? Yes, yes, exactly. Huh. 
How did you go about finding out what you would need to turn into? Well, because of my of of my national contacts and and experiences and relationships, I decided to create a uh, a national consulting firm, and I eventually had uh, some forty five individual consultants in addition to myself, and we worked with colleges, universities, and nonprofit organizations. And one of the things that I learned is that you can't consult or coach if you don't want to listen to other people. <laughs> and I eventually learned uh, be a, a good whole, listener. A whole different leadership style. And uh, how long did that take? Oh, I think it took a better part of eight to ten years. Yeah. A slow continuum of, of improvement. Yes. Uh, with, uh, I also had the benefit of, uh, of, of three authors that became, and still are, my heroes. Uh, Parker Palmer has written some of the most uh, wonderful books uh, I've ever read. And he wrote each of these books in a state of deep depression. Was he in a state of search then at the time? He, he was in a state of depression. And he, he was the writing of his books that informed him, that got him out of his state of depression. A second person was uh, Robert Bly, whose poetry and imagery uh, struck me as being very interesting. He said, we could sink into the muck, but we could reemerge, reinvented. And then we have uh, 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 Bill Bridges, who has done a lot of work on transitions. He said, we really go through a process of change that involves three steps. The first is letting go. The second is a neutral zone where you work through issues, very difficult. And the third is that you come out the other side renewed. And that's what I experienced. It took time. And, and when you worked at all those issues that you were dealing with, did you do it as a sort of a third-person viewpoint so you wouldn't take it all quite as personally? Although it was personal, of course, but, but it's just easier, it seems, at well, least for myself, it's been easier yeah, that way. I was guided by the old adage that... Uh, that uh, uh, if, if, if something happens to you and it doesn't kill you, you can, if you're patient and have wisdom and insight and tenacity, you can come out the other side a different person. And that took quite a bit of time. Yeah, but you did it. I mean, I'm, you I'm really still doing did it. do it. I mean, you're, well, okay, you're in process, but uh, you're looking like the picture of emotional, mental, physical <laughs> health here, although you may have a cold today. <laughs> but... Well, at age 75, I've learned quite a bit. The renewal process, the rise and then the fall of my profession, the learning how to work more effectively with others through my consulting and coaching, the reinvention process really started and came to its full cycle once we moved here from the Bay Area. And that involved a number of, of, of steps. Uh, I had known a woman who had been the, uh, the head of the of the uh, uh, Akron Community Foundation when I was in D.C. And I moved out here and I found that, that she was heading up the, the, the local hospital foundation. And she invited me to lunch, I think the second week I was in town, and she said, Gary, we got a real problem here. We've got over 600 nonprofit organizations. Most are weak and non-functioning. And she, she said, if we had a county flag, it would have a rattlesnake on it that would say, don't tread on me. No collaboration. The long and short of it is that we then invented uh, the Center for Nonprofit Leadership, which over the last 10 years has, has become a, a major force in helping our nonprofit organizations in this community. And the various projects that, that we have put up. 
including one that most recently uh, uh, finished, uh, that resulted in a book, uh, The Sages Among Us, Harnessing the Power of Civic Engagement. Very, very powerful, very insightful, where we interviewed 100 in-depth uh, uh, senior and also junior leaders to learn about civic engagement. And now we're now in the process of taking what we've learned into the schools. And all of this has just been lots of fun. It has also taught me that you can leave from the back of the bus as well as the front. And I'm enjoying being a back butcher. So we're talking about pushing the crowd or pulling them? We're talking about both. But mostly we're, we're talking about letting go and letting others. That is my major lesson that I've learned over the years. Do not have to do it all myself. You know, it seems to me, and I, I think you mentioned this in one of our uh, telephone conversations or emails or something, that um, something your dad had said uh, was related to community. And I think what, you're, what, what I'm hearing you say is you have a passion to help community. Oh, yes. And it's through the nonprofit end of things. Mm -hmm. And this passion is rooted in love. You, you, it's about love, and that's, that's what your dad said was Christianity was all about. I mean, you're that moving, is that is your fuel to move forward, and, and whether you're pushing or pulling, it doesn't that's matter. Right. They that's both right. work uh, in, in, with good outcomes. Yes, and, uh, and the, the incredible environment of, of this community here. Uh, I've lived all over the country, and I've never experienced anything like it. And others that you may have interviewed or what you got to interview will say the same thing. Yeah, I have heard that quite often in Nevada County, yeah. and specifically in Nevada City, Grass Valley. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In a word or two, what's the golden nugget from your experience? That you can rise and fall, and you can come up a renewed person if you've got the patience and the insight. I guess it's called wisdom. Right, and that's what this is called, <laughs> senior wisdom. Applying it to today, I mean, we have a very uh, complicated, very diverse, uh, multitasking, many, many different things happening at the same time, lifestyle, mm -hmm. many, many people. If we find ourselves going by the wayside because of circumstances, personal or, or you know, professional, how do we use your wisdom to move forward in those areas? Oh, I don't think it's using my wisdom. I think it's... Uh individuals, uh, wisdom's got to do with not only learning from experience, but enabling you to use that in, in, in the, today's current judgment. And everyone's got to be on their own journey here. One of the things from the SAGE Leadership Project that we've just finished, that we've learned, especially of the senior leaders, those aged 56 through 90, is that virtually every one of them have gone through the rise and fall experience. The experience has been somewhat different, but it's involved picking oneself up from, from devastation. Something personal has happened to their lives. I'll never forget uh, one of the young women, not so young now, that we interviewed, one of the emerging sage leaders, told the story of uh, what had shaped her life most. She and, uh, and four other friends were coming back from a theater here in town. and. Uh, they were in a car crash, and all but she and one other were killed that were only inches from her. And she said, why did that happen to them and not to me? Now, maybe that's kind of a shocking experience. Many of us don't have that kind of peak experience. Mm -hmm. 
But all of us have those kinds of experiences if we're able to reflect on them, learn from them, and go ahead and, and live them. And do we do that by talking to others, by sitting amongst our, ourselves quietly, all of the above? Well, one of the reasons that we're still conducting these, these, these sage interviews is to get more and more people not only to be interviewed, but who will want to interview others, who will pass this on. So to advance the uh, sort of the mentorship, the leadership qualities that you're describing. Yes, them. and it's, it's also to uh, uh, those of us who did the interviewing, there were, there were some uh, 20 of us, interviewed one another first. And I had never asked myself the very interview questions that were asked uh, during those interviews. So it was very insightful for me to be asked these very unusual questions. Well, you know, I, I think you sent me a question, the questionnaire that was uh, asked of you to fill out. And yeah, they're very introspective. Yes. And how often do we really think about things like that? We don't. Right. Unless the, the occasion arises. Yeah, that's, that's true. So, so having gone through, you're now 75? 75. 75 mm -hmm. years old. So, I mean, going through 50 plus years of a variety of experiences. The end game is in sight. <laughs> <laughs> you, have, you have developed a tenacity and a, a vision, really, that is, what, that is very helpful for people right now. And I would think that your continued work at IC, is it ICP? CNL. Oh, CNL. Center for Nonprofit Leadership. Okay, so your your continued work at CNL will will really move this forward for a lot of other people. Well, actually, uh, in a month, I'm trimming off the board after ten years, two of which I served as chair, and but we'll keep involved with the organization in various ways fundraising, other kinds of things. Well, although I wasn't a part of that, I'm sure many people will be appreciative of the influences that you, that you have created in their personal lives all these years. That's well, a lot of your mentorship and leadership that you've, you've put forward. Well, and uh, I've had some wonderful mentors myself, two, two in fact, that I would not be where I am today had I not early in my life, after graduate school, uh, had these, these two men that were enormous visionaries and believed in me when I, at a time I wasn't even believing in myself as a young man. That's critically important. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we need that outside uh, yes. uh, little push. Yes. Well, you've done well for yourself, Gary, and I thank you for sharing this. this well, day. thank you for inviting me to this interview. I greatly appreciate your questions and, and the work that you're doing here with, with Adult Wisdom. Thank you.